Hello and welcome to Angular Rocks, podcast for those who want to know more about Angular. I am Alexey Kuncevich. Today we will be talking about Angular Router, and I am very excited to introduce our special guest Justin Schwarzenberger. Justin educator, writer and content creator, Google developer expert in web technologies and Angular. Hello Justin. Hey Alexey, how's it going? Thank you for joining us today and can you tell a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Super excited and stoked to be here as well. Uh, like you mentioned, um, I'm a do content creation, uh, development, uh, do some client work, uh, a lot in the Angular space, been pretty heavy in the Angular space as of late for the past several years. Um, everything from Angular JS up to the current version of Angular. Um, a lot of work in the, in the web space as well. And I have uh, been doing web development and application development for several years now, uh, probably like 22 plus years. So kind of run the gamut of all the different front ends, back ends, full, full stack development, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, which actually I do have a question for you on the, the title of the um, podcast, Angular Rocks. Is that inspired by .NET Rocks? Uh, I don't think it's directly inspired. I was aware of .NET Rocks podcast because I was a .NET developer back in the days. And so I was actually listening a couple of episodes of .NET Rocks long ago. But I don't think it's inspired exactly by this podcast. There is one thing which my podcast is inspired, which is Angular. So it's Angular-inspired podcast. Nice, nice. <laughs> Reason I ask is because I used to do a lot of .NET development as well, and I listened to that right. podcast as well. So yeah, <laughs> want to trade some stories. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> If you talk to the .NET developer who don't have uh, any ideas about Angular Router, how would you explain him an Angular Router in one or two sentences? Ooh, that's a that's a challenging one to wrap that up in like one or two sentences, right? It's uh, I would say probably if we think about it, you know, maybe from a, a .NET developer, it, you may be familiar with routing to pages as you develop. Let's say you're you doing like MV, MVC type development or, or .NET framework type of development, and you you need to handle some sort of of routing to to serve those pages up. It's the same concept here, uh, except that. Everything's routed on the client side via scripting JavaScript, right? So real similar type of, of concept that we would do on the server side, but um, we need to apply that in this client side application that is not making multiple requests to the back end for a new page experience. When client moving from one page to another page, so what's happening within Angular application? Like how Angular Router helps you to achieve this experience? Yeah, so really what it kind of comes down to, what, how I think about it is that we're talking about like a URL change, right? When we talk mm -hmm. about the client side and we're talking about navigation, we have the browser, which is our application that's serving our you know, page, right, or serving our, our web content. And the URL bar at the top has an address in it. And that address is the initial thing that loads up our Angular application code, delivers it to the client, right? An index HTML file along with all the JavaScript that's needed for it. And then from there, if you want to have additional navigation using that URL, that needs to be orchestrated in some way, right? And so when we talk about like regular server-side applications, 
that URL request from the browser actually goes out and, and tell, goes to another server and says, give me the content. Um, but in our single page app and in, in Angular, it's Angular is intercepting that URL request at the browser level and going, oh, I'm going to change my UX experience, right? User experience content. Um, I'm not going to actually make another request to, to a web server somewhere. I'm just going to do it by myself, but I'm going to operate within the, the rules of the browser's URL. Let's jump into Angular Router history. I know there is a lot of things was going on uh, at its inception. Yeah, I'm excited about this part because I'm actually going to go back before uh-huh. Angular 2 and we're going to go back to Angular JS. And t- I want to talk a little bit about that, right? Though originally Angular JS came about and it was this you know, client-side code really designed around providing a way to do two-way data binding and to build these rich UI experiences where you could control data binding, you know, interaction, um, and passing of data and, and things like that within a, like a, a rich UI experience in a, in a web page, right? Using JavaScript at the time and, and that sort of thing and interact with the DOM, right? And so AngularJS was the framework that allowed us to do that sort of thing. And at that time, it was kind of, you would think about it as a, a mini app on the page, right? It, w- it was dealing with some chunk of the page and doing two-way data binding and working with code to manage that chunk. Um, so out of the box, AngularJS didn't come with a routing solution. Uh, you'd actually have to use like a third-party solution to do that. So example, like UI router was one of them. That was kind of like the big one. That was the one I ended up using a lot of. Um, I think there was a couple other ones that you would add into your project that would provide this ability to define routes and work with the the browser's URL to mimic, you know, page experiences in AngularJS. So when Angular 2 came around, right, it was this build the router in, you know, as part of the platform. The Angular team would deliver router as as one of the pieces of solutions in the Angular platform from what at the time was Angular 2. Now we know it is just Angular, right? Um, so now out of the box, we get routing as a uh, first level, you know, piece of experience as part of the, the platform. And when we talk about the, the, the router, you know, at that time, you know, it, it was, it actually went through a couple iterations in the very beginning of when Angular 2 first came out, when it moved from AngularJS to Angular. I'm just going to say Angular. So it went from AngularJS to Angular. Uh, there was a version of the router and it had, you know, a handful of things that supported and it actually went through a couple iterations before it kind of landed closer to what we, we know of now in terms of the, all the things that it supports. And we'll definitely get into all those things that it supports here in a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, before we get into that, I want to add a quick side note here about the Angular router history. The important part of it is that guys from the NGRX team were building a reactive router that was separate from Angular router. And then at some point, they joined forces with an Angular team, which results in the current Angular router, the one that we have today. As far from my memory, Brendan Roberts, Mike Ryan, and Victor Safkin did most of the work on the Angular router back in the days. And I want to give them a huge shout out for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting about it is like when, 
you know, dealing with the route is not just dealing with the URL in the browser. There's so many things that go on, right? And so from, from the aspect of understanding what's in the URL, parsing it, figuring out what you're going to do as a result of that changes to reporting on what state it is in and what state those values are in or what, what state of navigation are we in? Are, do we start navigation? Are we completed with navigation? Um, did we fail navigation and go somewhere else? Like all those bits and pieces are, are baked into the logic of the router and managing the, the router's concept. Right. And so when we talk about, you know, like the things with, with reactivity in there, um, you can start thinking about the, the ability to, how do I get the query params or the, the route parameters or the current router state transition state? How do I get that reactively? Right. How do I tie that in? And so maybe it, out of the box, it started with, it provided that information, but then it got, you know, more enhancements to say, Oh, well, we could use things like observables to get a hold of that information, you know, as it changes. And yeah, all that stuff then comes together to formulate where we're kind of at today with the router and having all of this, you know, stuff inside of it. Do you think Angular router may look way different than it is today? Say in a couple of years, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one and hard one to, to kind of decide on like how I feel about it. I, from one aspect, I look at it and I go, a lot of it's driven on the, the rules and regulations of the browser and the URL, right? It's, it's trying mm -hmm. to work with that API and, and provide a solution that interacts with that, you know, everything from the URL navigation to back and forward to, to URL history, right? It's, it's working within the confines of that, which is dictated by the browser, right? And the browser vendors. So I guess, you know, there's a level that I would see that I would say, if that innovates or if that changes, then the route could change. Um, but if that stays the same, then I think that most of it would probably be around, well, what does the router do today or what, where do we wish that we could have more control or more opportunity to have a, you know, a simplified API surface for the work that we need to do to interact with the router and maybe improvements and innovation come at that level, which just makes it like easier and more straightforward for us to work with the router than where we are right now. But, um, I mean, there are a couple of things like, and it's nice because I think we'll get into this as well. Um, at least I have a point to, to bring it up is that, you know, and spoiler alert a little bit here because we're jumping ahead, but there's, um, you know, the Angular router actually supports not just navigation of like a page component, right? But you can do side-by-side -side navigation. So you can have a URL structure that supports, hey, here's a page, but with this modal open or this side panel open, right? And and we can control at that micro level partial spots on the page getting router outlets based on the URL. So we actually do get a lot of like advanced innovation out of the Angular router that we may not get from a normal, you know, URL working that we have because they have a, a domain specific language around supporting that kind of behavior, which is pretty cool. And so this brings us to the next part of the episode, uh, which is Angular router features. Yeah. So there's a lot of them. I have a list of them. Can I go down the list of them? Yeah, exactly. Okay, go ahead. Cool. 
All right. So I think at the top, you know, the first thing I think of is, is this ability to route to components, right? When we talk about Angular, where it's, everything's a component, it's a component tree. We start with our main app component. We usually name it app component, right? And it's the top level and it's the thing that kicks off our entire Angular application. Our Angular code is looking for that component and says, start here and start binding and wiring everything up from here down. And then from there, we nest components and we just get this component tree of, of things to build out our applications, right? And so the router provides this ability to say, inside of our app component or wherever we're going to put this, right? We put a router outlet and we say, serve up this component. And then if the route changes, render this other component. So it allows us to, to switch between components that we're deciding to render rather than, say, putting an NGF on 17 components in one component, right? And, and conditionally changing that throughout, the router allows us to, to manage that switch out uh, without having to have that complexity uh, in some type of parent component. And we do that with those router outlets and, and tell it, you know, here's where I want you to inject that component. And from there, we use entries, router entries to define that route table. So we can create entries that say, okay, for this particular entry, and an entry usually will have, you know, something like a, a p partial URL string, say for accounts, this entry for the URL that has slash accounts, load up the accounts component. And for the one that says services, load up the services component. And we can define those as part of entries. The router provides that opportunity for us to do that. And with those entries, we can do, you know, everything from a, a set string that we say that this is the the route to match and, and do this, or we could do wildcards. Uh, if you're familiar with having done any type of routing, server side routing or anything, you might have wildcards. The, the biggest example of this is like a 404 page where you say, look, if somebody goes to a URL and that URL is not supported, we want to return a 404 page or go to a 404 page route that says, hey, we couldn't find what you were looking for. Usually that's done with a wildcard. So you have all the routes that you say I, I want to allow. And then anything that's not in that list, do a wildcard and, and catch those. You can do redirects. Uh, so you can set up an entry to say, hey, look, if this URL matches this pattern, redirect to this other URL entry. A lot of all that stuff that, that you kind of can do server side, uh, we have that available to us in the router uh, when we create these route entries. Then there's some other additional stuff that we get on those entries that are pretty cool that, that Angular provides. Um, there's a opportunity to do some static data for each of those route entries. So we can set different like configuration values or things like that, that we want to provide as available in those route entries. Um, we can get dynamic data. We have uh, the ability to declare and set up resolvers and route cards. So we can say hey, for this particular route, we want to set up zero to many resolvers and the resolvers can handle logic for like preloading data as we get to that route or anytime you go to that route, we can execute whatever type of logic we want. Can you think of any resolver use cases as an example, just to give listeners a bit more background? Yeah, so let's say I have a um, a page, that a component that I want to render that's going to be a form that's going to ask somebody to select um, their favorite sandwich, right? And um, I need to, I want to have a drop down in that form, a, an HTML element that's a you know a drop down form that they can pick from these sandwich choices, and I want to get that sandwich data 
dynamic. So at any mm-hmm. given day, I may have 17 sandwiches and I want to ask the user, which of these 17 sandwiches are your favorite? I want to have those sandwiches ready and available it, for that dropdown list before I render that form to the customer or that page. A resolver could allow me to say, okay, when somebody goes to the slash my favorites route, uh, before I serve up the my favorites page with the form, I want to preload that data. I want to do a resolver that says, go out, hit my endpoint somewhere and get all the sandwiches for the list. And then when I receive those, that list of sandwiches, then I'm ready to feed that to my form as dropdown values. Basically, router resolver can be executed right before a component gets displayed, right? It's just a service that provides data for the particular component. What happens if there is an error? Yeah, so that's one of the kind of the benefits. You're, what you're doing is you're abstracting away the responsibility of the component for loading that data and moving that responsibility to the route, right? And when you do that, like if the responsibility is in the component, that means Angular has to render that component or, or initial, initialize it, right, instantiate it um, and for that component to run any internal logic to say load those things and then if that load fails, then the component's responsible for dealing with that failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of an extra responsibility and component that that kind of ties us in a situation that's hard to control because maybe you say, I wasn't able to load those sandwiches up. I really don't even want them to go to this, you know, favorites form page uh, because <laughs> they can't do anything. So I really want to send them somewhere else to a different page. Well, with this, you know, resolver, we have this opportunity to say, hey, look, the router, when it goes to do this entry, try to load the data we need. If it fails, send them to a different component to show them that it failed. So they never have to have this experience of loading up the the favorites page component when it's not pertinent because we, we didn't have everything we needed to allow us to load that up, right? Another feature that you mentioned there is a router guard, which is a function that checks if user have an access to a particular route. Yeah, correct. And I think that you know, there's a little bit of challenge there between resolvers and guards. They're, they're both something that is running at that route you know, level, um, but trying to understand when and where to use it. So I think maybe to start with a, the best breakdown of that when we talk about guards, like what you were explaining is the, the guard provides us the ability at the route level to execute some logic and then to completely stop that route and go a different way. And, and it, the ergonomics of that API are, are designed around that concept. Uh, because when we write these guards, uh, like a lot of things in Angular, we, we can implement interfaces that the Angular platform provides to adhere to um, and then u- utilize that in, so that Angular knows what it's working with. So when we create guards, we can create like a can activate guard. Um, and there's an interface for that that Angular provides that requires our class to have a can activate method that has a specific signature around what parameters it will get handed. Mm-hmm. And we can write the logic in there um, that we need to do and then wire that can activate, you know, class that we created up to our route entry. Um, but like that can activate the, the contract that Angular is set up in that interface says you can either return a true or false value, and that can be returned through an observable stream or, or just straight true or false, or you could return a URL tree instance. And the URL tree instance is, is like a router configuration, and it allows us to tell the router, hey, 
my can activate decide code logic said that they're not allowed to be here. Send them to this other route. And that URL tree return can tell the router, here's where I want you to go because this is not, you're not allowed here. And then the router will just pick it up from there and, and redirect for us. There are um, similar concepts like guards yeah. exist in many other frameworks, which allows you to put some sort of specific logic to secure a particular resource. Right. And one of the keys there is that you want to do that logic prior to running the code of the destination that they're trying to get to. Right. So going back to mm -hmm. our previous one, we talked about you, would you want to load that data in the component or do you want to load it in your route entry? Um, you know, the guard allows us to stop the component from being accessed at all or instantiated at all. And that's really what we want. Right. Cause, um, you don't want the possibility of, of somebody getting to that component when the intent is that they should never get there. And the, the guard gives us that opportunity to do that. But that could be based on, you know, permissions. I think that the biggest example that people lean on is, or, or go to is the thought of, oh, well, they're not, we're checking if a user's allowed to go here. But it could be anything mm -hmm. from, did we load up the data that we needed, right? And our sandwich example, we could do a, a can activate guard and say, try and load the data. And if we didn't get the data that that particular component requires to, to do its work, then we can just route to a different location, right? So it's really just about saying, hey, we want to do some initial data load or, or identification or some type of logic. And then we want to have an easy way to say, hey, if, if that thing doesn't, fit to our desired needs or, or is not, you know, set up in a way that allows us to go to that component, then how can we easily tell the router go somewhere else? And the guards right. are, you know, can activate and stuff or are a perfect API surface for doing that. Yeah, the Angular team and everyone who was involved, they put a lot of thoughts into all these awesome features that are really so much helpful. Yeah. And there's more, there's more. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier about all the things that go into a, a route and URL, right? And, and so everything from managing like query params and fragments. So our URLs might have, you know, the question mark and then value A equals one, value B equals two. And, and we might have fragments that the hash, you know, or the pound symbol and then, you know, uh, tab one or whatever. We need to extract that data out of the URL at some point in our applications. The Angular router provides the API surface to get a hold of those values, not only by snapshot static values of those, but also through observables. We can subscribe to the query params observable. And as those query params change, we can react to those values and, and work with them. Same way with uh, things like uh, router parameters. Right. Where we have, uh, you have a URL that's maybe like slash user slash one slash user slash mm -hmm. two. And you need to get the hold of that one or that two. Um, the Angular router provides a, a sort of API surface for working with that as well. So we don't have to constantly write code that looks at the, you know, uh, location href of our, our, our JavaScript and, and parse that for us. The router does all that under the hood for us. In some case, you might need to have a nested routes or any number of params. It can go as crazy as you want, uh, depend on the use case. Lay down. You can go as far yeah. as you need to go. Well, as far as, as yeah. much memory will run in your browser, I guess. But uh, yeah, 
you know, it's not just that there's so much more. It's like, it's crazy. It's just, it's loaded with stuff. Um, it provides the router provides router links and router outlets, right? A router outlet is a, um, directive that allows us to put a, a router outlet element and define where we want these components to be rendered at. Um, the router links provide us the opportunity through a directive to mm-hmm. set up a tags or, or button clicks or whatever in our application that under the hood understands how to call the router and, and do something. So we can, let's say we have a slash account details, you know, route, we could use, utilize the router link directive and put the route of slash account details into our href and, and it'll be wired up for us to do router navigation. We don't have to do a whole lot of special stuff. So that comes out of the box as well. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things is that we, we've got this opportunity for lazy loading and you talked a little bit about the, the fact that we can have nested routes, right. And we have child routes. So you, you mm-hmm. may have a, so as you set up your route tree, when you're talking about creating your entries and you think about, you know, how you want to nest those things and slash param, slash param, slash param, right down the thing. How do you organize that? And you can think that like that first level, like slash account, that can have a route entry and that route entry could have children entries. And those children entries could be uh, slash details, slash orders, slash settings. And those could all be children of the account route, right? And now you say, look, there's stuff done at the account level. Maybe you have a, a can activate card or something that ensures that the person can get to that account route. And then each of those children routes, you know, have their own type of data loading or whatever uh, that serve up the UX experience based on each of those different URLs at that point, right? And with lazy loading, we can um, only load those when they're actually requested from the browser level, right? Um, Because with our route entries, we can, if we define them just right off the bat without lazy loading, uh, we're basically telling Angular, be aware of all of these, so preemptively get ready for all these potential things. Whereas lazy loading says, Hey, Angular, here's some entries. Um, when they get called, then go figure out if there's children entries to, to go with at runtime. There is a theme. It's usually placed within an app component that looks like an HTML tag, the router dash outlet. I believe people who are just starting with Angular might struggle to understand what it is. So let's help them to figure out what router dash outlet really is and why it is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we go back and we think about the fact that everything is a component tree, right? And we start with the top level component and we build out components, children components from there. And Angular walks through that component tree and does all of its magic throughout that component tree, right? Um, we're, we're going to start with an app component. Um, and usually that's like my dash app or, or something like that. And that's that top level element that Angular wires up to and says, okay, I'm ready to do my work from here down. Um, the router outlet is an element. It's, it's a marker for Angular to know where, when, when Angular reads a route entry and says, I'm, I need to render this component. Angular needs to know where to render that component at in the DOM tree. Right, in the native DOM tree. And so the router outlet is that marker that Angular is going to go, okay, where's that router outlet? I'm going to put it as a sibling to that router outlet 
So right next to it, um, I'm going to put this component that you told me to render as, as a result of that route. So really it's that marker um, that says this is where the components DOM element and all of its children are going to get injected at in our native DOM mm -hmm. tree in the browser. So basically it's act like a placeholder, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, it is. But with one caveat, it, it, that DOM element stays there, right? So the, the router outlet will, DOM element is still in your DOM. Um, Angular is just going to put our component as a sibling. You know, essentially, if we're looking vertically at a DOM tree in our browser dev tools, it's going to be the next DOM element right after that router outlet is where it goes. So it doesn't actually get replaced. It's just, it stays mm -hmm, there as mm -hmm. a marker and, and yep. our element goes next to it. Um, yeah. Something to, I, I bring up because it's a, it's one of those nuances that if we're writing CSS or any type of styling um, and we're expecting that component element to be in a certain spot, it's not actually, it's a sibling, right? We still have that router el outlet element next to it. Um, so something to consider as we, we do that kind of design work. Yeah, just a side note here, <laughs> never try to style router outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you could think like, let's say I have a div, right? Or let's, let's be more semantic. Let's say I have a main element and I put my router outlet as a child in there. And then I'm expecting that that router outlet, I'm going to have my new component come in. And for some reason, I decide to style um, the first sibling, or the first child of my main element with some sort of styling. Well, that router outlet is going to be the first child and not our component. So something like that, which is, you know, we can kind of get ourselves into it sometimes uh, just to be aware of. Uh, but the good thing there is that we can always just view source on our page and, and see the answer, right? See, we can see that DOM element and that, that DOM element doesn't go away. So even if we don't remember it, we have a way to find it out. <laughs> Yeah, right. The dev tools always help. Yeah. Do you think there are more features we can talk about? I do want to add one more feature because this one is one of my favorites about the router. And um, it, it's that it supports secondary routes. And this is what I was mentioning in where Angular provides this um, DSL, domain-specific language kind of construct. And, and it's based, I think it's based upon a certain pattern that, that's there in the URL. Uh, but it's this ability to say we can define a route um, as a as a secondary route on an existing route, meaning we could have two router outlets in our component um, and we can use a name value to specify names for each of those. And then we could have a route entry that handles loading up a component in each of those router outlets separately or at the same time. So we could say, let's say we have an account details route. So we have account slash details, um, and that's going to load our details page. But we also want to be able to sometimes load a side panel that says, you know, active subscriptions or something, details with active subscriptions. Uh, we don't necessarily have to make a whole separate page experience um, for details with active subscriptions. We could add a secondary route that allows us to have a route URL that supports saying load the details page and then in this other router outlet named side panel, uh, load this component there if we have that as part of the route URL. Mm -hmm. And that is really 
Cool, because it can be anything from like those, you know, additional panels to you could think about modals experience, right? Like when we talk about a modal, like an overlay where you say, you know, someone clicks on a, a view more details and, and it shows the screen where there's a box on the screen and everything else around the box is kind of blurred out. So it has this overlay experience. Um, you can drive that through router URLs um, as well. And, and so... Yeah, a lot of different cool stuff that you can do with that. And so that's kind of a, a hidden feature that um, I think that maybe not a lot of people are aware of that it comes out of the box like that, but some, something certainly worth exploring and, and seeing uh, the power of it. So that brings us to the next part of uh, the uh, our episode, which is tips and tricks for beginners. Uh, Justin, can you think of anything like that? Or maybe you can bring yourself into the past and think of yourself as being a beginner in Angular and maybe there was, there was some things you were struggling with and spent quite a bit of time to figure out or anything like that? Yeah, yep. Um, I think first off of is um, the entry order matters, right? So when we define the... When we set up our entries uh, for each of these routes, we're basically setting up the router and saying, hey, here's an array of entries. Um, and each of these entries are a, a object, a JavaScript object that is, has certain properties on it, like the, the path, uh, the component to route to, things like that. Well, the order that we set up that array matters. Angular is going to go through, and this is real similar to other routers like .NET, um, things like that, uh, have, do the same sort of thing. That they, They're going to take the inbound URL, and then they're going to walk down a tree of entries, and as soon as they find a match, that one's going to win, right? Um, so you want to be thinking about your order of how you define these routes uh, to know that have the router match the entry that, you want to match as soon as possible. Um, a lot of times you don't, you have all these different unique routes that, that it doesn't become apparent that that's a problem. Uh, but sometimes you'll get in a scenario where you'll add a route and you're like, why am I not getting to this route? What's going on? Um, start there to think, do you have it in the right order? Right. Uh, Cause order matters in terms of how it defines a match. Um, Another one is, and we talked about the fact that the router provides these observables as well, so we can react to values coming through the router. Um, everything from the query params to the route parameters to all that stuff um, are exposed via observable properties that, that return an observable stream uh, that we can subscribe to uh, wherever we need to subscribe to them. So uh, there's always a challenge around observables and, and thinking about, you know, making sure you manage your observable subscriptions. You know, the fact that you need, we need to unsubscribe from them, anything that's an active um, subscription that hasn't completed. Um, but there's cases where we don't, right? Uh, when we call the HTTP client, uh, that uh, makes a call and then completes automatically. Uh, so when we subscribe to that, that subscribe call initiates it and then gets a complete through the observable stream right away. Uh, these router observables, they don't, uh, they're active and once you subscribe to them, but the Angular router under the hood will actually clean up those subscriptions when the route changes. So technically, you know, you subscribe to like a query param. Once the route changes, Angular router will handle unsubscribing that for us. So we don't have to worry about unsubscribing for those if we don't 
you know, in a situation we don't want to, you certainly can, you can write code to do that, but just knowing under the hood that they handle that for you, it handles it for us. Uh, another tip uh, I would like to add here, sometime you want to trace a router, if you need to figure out uh, anything about what's going on in your uh, routing configuration. Actually, maybe you want to see in the console, like what's happened, what's actually route uh, correspond to this particular page, especially if it's a big application, or maybe if it is something that's written not by yourself. <laughs> and so there is a property enabled tracing, so you can set it to true. And so it will enable this. Yeah, I love that tip. And, that, and that's set up in the, when we do the import of the router module. Is that correct? Yep, right, right. Yeah. That's correct. So in our ng module where we import the, the router module, we would configure that at that point. And then we could always do things like uh, look at our environment uh, and use, you know, identify if we're in production mode or not. And maybe we don't enable that on production mode, but we do enable it on dev mode and, and do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. well. Yes, exactly. Cool. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. 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 You don't want to, uh, to have it enabled on production unless you're trying to catch a bike on production. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's always the challenge. Right? Well, how, it's not working yeah. on production. How do we debug it? Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I wish I had that enabled. Can we just deploy it with an enabled? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yep, yep. Those are challenges too, for uh, sure. Yeah. Um, this one's uh, one of the favorites of mine. Uh, did you know a route entry doesn't need a component? Uh, you can create a route entry, uh, and, and maybe you know, we know this because we can create a redirect entry. Um, mm -hmm. but we could add a guard. We could add a can activate guard, you know, that sort of things to, um, a route entry. So think in terms of, um, let's say I wanted to have an inbound URL for my application that somebody clicked on from a link somewhere else, right? And, what I want to do is I want to support that inbound URL to run some business logic and then route my application to either page A or page B. Uh, and I want to intercept and, and run that logic, right? Um, I don't want to have to have a guard on both page A and page B to run that logic. I want to have an entry URL that I can support that is the one source to run that logic and then will send me down the right path. So I could create a route entry with a can activate guard that can run that logic and then could return a URL tree object that sends us to route A or route B based on the results of that logic. And you can do this, you know, the other cool thing, and I think the, the thing that um, is something that as you get in there and, and do more route entries, I think it becomes more apparent over time is that the route entry tree, like you could have three nested child routes and that their path are all empty strings and either will know how to go down that route tree. So like you could do things at different steps, right? But without a different URL uh, pattern piece to accomplish some things. So if you have, you know, say I wanted this empty segment and it's going to have children and in this children, one of the children's is the empty segment to support, you know, when we don't have a first initial piece, we can do all that with the router tree. There's a lot of things you can accomplish by building up your route entries uh, to pull off different types of data loading and things that you might need to do. It's hard to, it's hard to like articulate that just by talking about it. It's kind of something more maybe visual to see, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot, you, a lot of power you can do with, with just route entries. And Is it in docs? 
Yeah, I'd have to think about that because I don't, I don't recall seeing anything like kind of that depth on like Angular.io. The Angular.io website has great information on the router and uh, all the details of it and, and stuff like that. But I don't know how de- in depth it gets into, you know, child route trees and, and things like that. So I'd have to look and see. Um, could probably find something. So my my final tip, uh, and this is a, a big one, I feel that uh, we've got to always keep in mind that. Uh, we're dealing with the URL in the browser. What, what we're really doing is we have this, you know, um, client side application, the single page application that we're driving and working with, you know, JavaScript and the DOM and all this stuff. And Angular provides us all that power. And the router provides us a way to interact with the URL in the browser and, and browser history state. Uh, but we got to remember that some of those things are out of the control of our application. Right. The user can always refresh the browser at any given time. And it's going to refresh it based on the URL that's in the, the URL bar at that given moment. Um, they can also hit back and forward on their browser or use keyboard shortcuts on their browser. Basically, they're interacting with the browser application to do history state navigation. Um, that's outside of the scope of our app. And so our app needs to react to that and gracefully handle those scenarios. Uh, so a lot of times I'll find myself when I, when I go to start working on a route and I, I, I'm clear on my picture of, okay, I need to set up a route to get to slash account and I need to set up the component and the data loading and everything like that. Uh, but what kind of gets missed is, well, what happens if the, brow- if the customer just refreshes their browser on that a- account route? What do I need to do to protect that, right? If I have application state, um, the refresh is going to kill that state. It's going to eliminate that state. So how do I rehydrate it, right? Um, if the mm-hmm. customer's on account route and they click their back, it's going to go back to the previous route. Is my previous route ready to handle that scenario? The, the browser is navigating away at that point and, and it's basically resetting the experience at that point. So you, you need to be aware of how do you persist that across that journey if that happens. So just make sure that you're always remembering that the customer through the browser application has more control over that URL and that history state um, than we get necessarily out of the box from from our code. And so we need to prepare to write code to handle those scenarios or think about them. Yeah, as, as Michael Karen said in podcast episode about error handling, think always about the client. Put client first. Get into the client's shoes and think what client can do with your application, right? And then try to work on those use cases. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a great point. And that's challenging for us, right? When we get so scoped into writing our code, especially when you talk, you know, I know I do this a lot as I sit down and I start writing code and I'm testing it in the browser and I test the same thing like 70 times, right? So I'm typing in the same information and you get so into the repetition of doing that same stuff that you might not try out a different pattern or a different value. And so you might not expose yourself to those other potentials that as soon as it goes to production, I can guarantee you somebody's going to do that thing, right? So it's, it's, yeah, it's always about trying to think about what are all the different permutations or, or combos that I could try to ensure that all the bases are covered and, and I write code that protects it from all that or covers those cases. 
Do you think, is there anything missing in the current uh, router? And there is maybe things that you wish will be there to make a router better? Yeah, so um, you touched at the beginning about like what might, what could I see for potential like future of, of routing, right? And, and things like that. Um, now we've talked a bit about the Angular router and what it has out of the box. There are a couple of things that, that I have as wishes for the current router, right? Um, things that I kind of see that, that things that I run into on a regular basis that it'd be nice if, if there was ways in the API to do these sort of things. Um, one of them is, is kind of working with the full route information from a given route. So we have ways to get a hold of the activated route. So if we're on a component or, or in a service, we can see what the current activated route is and, and the data that's resulting from that. Um, and the information is there to get up the route tree and to find more pieces of information, but there's just not really an API service to make that easy to do or straightforward to do. Um, so I think that's one thing that that could be an advancement there is to provide some more ergonomics around um, being able to get all the information about a, a route from a spot. And it actually, um, like if you're leveraging something like NGRX's router store, um, it provides some of that information as well in terms of state management information from the route data. Uh, so things kind of like that, where it's it's just a little bit easier for us to get more information diagnosed you know, at the particular route that we're on. Um, and then uh, the other thing I think of is, is a more ergonomic way for resolving data without um, adding it to the router's state. So when we talk about resolvers, uh, kind of the pattern that we do there is when we create a route entry, we use a resolver property and we give it an object and that object has is like a key value object where you say, here's the key, which kind of represents the data that you're resolving. And then the value is some class that has a resolve method that will return, it is, is set up to return the data that you resolved with the notion that you would reach into the router, the router state and say, give me the, the resolved data from your storage. And in a lot of cases, I don't find myself wanting to put that resolved data in the router. I want to put it maybe in my own state management or somewhere else. Um, so I end up creating a resolver entry with just some placeholder names for those keys. And my resolve methods don't return values. They just return, you know, true or false. Um, so if it feels a little odd to use it that way, um, so I think it may be a more ergonomic way around, you know, saying I want to resolve this data, but I don't want the data to be on the router. I want it to be somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's all making sense. And I believe discussions like that may result in creating any feature request or discussion on GitHub. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple of different ways, right? To go about that. We can, you can look at proposing it to the Angular team and, and seeing if you can get it in there. Um, if that's not a possibility, you could create a, a separate library that is designed to, you know, enhance mm -hmm, right. that thing um, or provide a different functionality. I mean, you can leverage, you can write, we could write a, a library that utilizes the router, but just enhances it, right? We don't have to, we're not 
having to write an entire new implementation of the router, it could do the same way we enhance other <laughs> Angular stuff. We could do that same sort of thing. So yeah, several different ways for everybody to get involved if they want to, you know, tackle solving that thing. We're, we're not gated by having to wait on the Angular team to do it. You know, we, we have ways to do it as well. On this note, it seems like we covered everything about Angular router. Yeah. Yeah, I think we covered a, a lot about the, the router. Yeah, for sure. Okay, it's time to wrap up. If you want to follow Justin on Twitter, his Twitter handle is Schwarty. It's spelled like S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Y. I put it in the show notes as well as all other links related to this episode. Thank you, Justin, for being with us today. I'm Alexey Kunsevich, and this is Angular Rocks. Thank you for listening. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been very fun. I appreciate it. Hey, Alexey here again. I'm excited to share with you that I will be soon publicly releasing my Angular learning program. I've been developing it now for some time. The program consists of a one-hour free live workshop precursor, followed by a series of interactive workshops, which will teach you how to go from zero to production advanced Angular concepts and best practices. I'm looking forward to sharing the details with you soon. Stay tuned. In case, if you would like to be the first in the queue to get alerted about these, subscribe to my mailing list at kunsevich.dev. It's spelled like K-U-N-C-E-V-I-C.dev. I put the link into the show notes. Bye for now.